welcome to Out of Left Field, presented by Farm Bureau. Regional time is here. Bart Gregory, Charlie Winfield. We're at two different locations. We're going to try to piece together a show for you. Charlie, I don't know about you. It's like Christmas in June to me, man. I'm telling you. I love Super Bowl all weekend. I love football season. I love basketball season. I love the entire baseball season. But let me tell you something. It's like another level for me when it comes to NCAA postseason play at Duty Noble. It is really cool to think about this week from the perspective of a kid who is 12, 13, 14, 16, because we were those guys. We'll talk about some of our memories of that age. But you think about it, school's out, you got the whole summer ahead of you, and you've got a solid weekend of great baseball with hopes of another weekend of baseball coming. This is, man, this is like as good as it gets. Well, it really is, Charlie. And, you know, this week, who we get in the tournament, VCU is the two seed, Campbell, of course, the three, and then we play Samford. And we'll play that game at 2 o'clock tomorrow against Samford. And I'm going to talk to Casey Dunn later in the show. Of course, as we said, Charlie and I are kind of splitting time between two different places, and so I'm going to have to jump on with Casey. We have a montage that we kind of put together, a group of interviews that we've done with several key pieces of the 97 regional later in the show. Yeah, Charlie, this is just that crazy time, man, and I love it. I mean, you just come to the ballpark. You've got two games a day. We're playing the early game, and we talked about this, and Chris Lamonis has kind of gone into, and John Cohen as well, about why you want to play that early game if you get into rain and you want to give an extra rest. And and so State's going to play that early game against Sanford. But here's the first thing that I think of when I look at how everything shakes out. Sanford is too good of a team to really feel like you can put some bullets in your back pocket for that first game. And Chris Lamonis has come out and said this afternoon that Will Bednar will start for State against Sanford. And, hey, when you start looking at this Sanford lineup that has two left-handed hitters in the order, launch angle, I want to ask Casey Dunn about that, about teams that like to rely on a home run, Will Bednar makes a lot of sense. Look, the very first message I got from you wasn't, hey, here's who's coming to start, Bull. Hey, regional's been announced. It was Stanford. I don't like McLeod in that ball game, And we exchanged some messages following up on it. But you immediately said, McLeod's a guy who is a fly ball pitcher. And you've got a guy in Casey Dunn, a team that's going to swing for the fences. And the problem is, look, you've got to have a win from Christian McLeod this weekend. If you want to advance, you can basically say, we need a win from him. So then the question becomes, where is your best spot matching him against somebody? Chris Lamonis thought it was game two, and I think that's consistent with what you thought just initially before you had even gotten into a, a deep dive on these things. Yeah, no doubt. And, too, what else do you need in tournament play from a day one starter? You need innings. And Will Bednar has been more of an inning eater. You want to save as much of the bullpen as you possibly can, especially on day one. And so Samford is a team that hits some home runs. they got a very good lineup. And, Charlie, they're going to throw a left-hander out there in Sam Strickland, who's a left-hander who was preseason all-league in the SOCON. He did not have any postseason accolades, but he had to, some really good outings in there in the season. He's a left-hander that can run, up, run it up in the low 90s. So this is going to be an interesting task for State in their lineup. 
isn't the big thing about him. He's been around. Yes. One of the things you worry about is young guys. Are they going to melt down on you? Are they going to, is the moment going to be too big? Doesn't seem like that is the guy that you're going to be facing. It doesn't seem like you're going to face that. You might beat him. He might get hit, but he just doesn't profile as a guy who's going to melt down on you. All right, Charlie. When we come back, we'll talk to Casey Dunn. I'll talk to Casey Dunn and kind of get his thoughts. And, of course, State played against Samford in 2012, did not have any luck at all against them, went 0-2 against Samford in the Tallahassee Regional. That was after State had won the SEC Tournament Championship in 2012. And then we played them again in Tallahassee in 2018, and State won that matchup 9-8. to eight. And so they come to start well here as the number four seed. And then later in the show, man, I tell you what, it was so cool. We talked to several of those guys, those big-time parts of the 97 regional here in Starkville, some of the big-time parts. There was a lot of big plays. It's hard to believe it's been 24 years. But over the last couple of months, we've put together some interviews with those guys. And, man, that was a lot of fun to see how, how all that came together. The name Chris McGruder still scares me. I mean, that guy <laughs> still scares me, the idea he'll come into the plate. He was just that good. And, of course, we're brought to you by Farm Bureau. Farm Bureau, go with the home team at Farm Bureau. Check them out at favorites.com. They have agents in every county. They're the people you go to, to church with or the people that drop their kids off and carpool with you. You know them. They know you. And so the customer service is such a big part of what they do at Farm Bureau. So check them out at favorites.com and go with the home team at Farm Bureau. So when we come back, I'll talk to Casey Dunn, the head coach at Sanford, and then later in the show we'll talk to all those guys, Barry Patton, Eric DeBose, Rusty Toms from Mississippi State, Ken Knutson and Chris Magruder from the University of Washington. So a big, crazy show for you. It's regional time here in Startville. We're back after this on Out of Left Field, presented by Farm Bureau. And welcome back to Out of Left Field, presented by Farm Bureau, Bart Gregory and Charlie Winfield. Charlie's off-site this week, and we're kind of piecing everything together. I'm going to talk to Casey Dunn, the head coach at Samford University, in just a second. But first, I'd like to remind you, this conversation brought to you by our friends at Heartland Catfish. Heartland, producing the finest U.S. farm-raised catfish in the world. And you can get them at your local grocer, or you can go to Great catfish houses and restaurants in the southeast and one of those great restaurants is warner's fish house in bogalusa louisiana just across the state line in bogalusa well warner's they bread it up right they fry it right man it is fat absolutely fantastic i've eaten there a couple times before and it's kind of funny that we highlight warner's they have the whole fish they have it broiled they have it fried it is great at Warner's Fish House in Bogalusa, Louisiana. And this conversation with Casey Dunn is brought to you by Heartland Catfish. And so let's go to the phone where the 17th year head coach, Casey Dunn, Sanford University, joins us. Casey, we're getting old, man. I tell you what, it's, it's amazing. 17 years as a head coach at Sanford. I still remember you as a player at Auburn. And, and so now in year number 17 over there, 
last week or a couple of weeks ago, I talked to Chris Stratton, who was our former number one, yeah. and, yeah. and uh, of course pitched in 2012. It seems like you know every time we play in a regional, we're, we're matched up with you guys. And Chris and I were laughing a little bit, and I said, "Do you think they ever found Brandon Miller's home run ball down in Tallahassee?" <laughs> <laughs> hey, I, I tell you, the uh, the legend of Brandon Miller still exists for sure. We uh, we play our conference tournament in Greenville, South Carolina, in the minor league park, and they have a big apartment condo complex behind left field. And, you know, it's kind of neat. You can hit balls off of it. You can hit balls on top of it. But every time we go there, somebody from that organization comes down and asks about Brandon because he literally cleared the entire complex. And, uh, you know, they say, you know, a lot of people hit it on top, but nobody's ever hit it over that building but him. So, uh, so his, uh, his legacy still grows in terms of his power. Uh, I understand that. That home run he hit off Chris that day down in Tallahassee <laughs> was just yeah. unbelievable. So, okay, looking back at, at winning the conference tournament, and we look back to the, the time of the state won in 2012 and then went into that Tallahassee regional. And, of course, you won the conference tournament championship 2018. You win it this year, two-run home run, Max Pinto. How much does that take out of a team of making a run through a conference tournament? Because you've had the ultimate of highs of going to the NCAA tournament on a walk-off home run. How tough is it to get you guys reined back in? Well, I think, you know, in in our case, uh, I don't think it's as hard as something, you know, like you're talking about a Mississippi State that, you know, they know they're in postseason. So for us, you know, the – Getting to a regional, getting to postseason, most years that's going to require us winning that conference tournament. I mean, that's what it takes at our level right now. And, um, you know, so for our guys, obviously there was a lot of excitement, a lot of fun with the way that thing ended. But uh, but our guys are just fired up to be here. I mean, uh, you know, getting the opportunity to play in a regional is not a given at our level within the Southern Conference. So, you know, having a chance to be here, it's something our guys are fired up about and you know, win, lose, not sure what'll happen, but I assure you, you know, our guys will be ready and, you know, they'll they'll be ready to take advantage of this opportunity. Before we start drilling down into Sanford, just from an overall standpoint of when you start looking at this time of year and you see where all the regional hosts are and you think of a Fayetteville and a typically a Baton Rouge and a Florida State and so many times when you start talking about, you know, one bid leagues a lot of times are overwhelmed by coming to big places. But, I mean, where you guys are, playing against Auburn, playing against Alabama, you've already been to Starkville this year. You've got a veteran ball club. Does that make you feel a little bit more comfortable of knowing, hey, our guys have kind of been in that big situation already? No question. And, and again, if you look at our schedule, I mean, we schedule in a way that I think prepares us, you know, for this opportunity. You know, this year alone, we went to Alabama, we went to Auburn, we came here to Starkville. Uh, we played a weekend series at Florida in their new park. We went to Texas A&M for a weekend. You know, I've got several guys on my team that were, you know, in Tallahassee in the regional in 2018. So, you know, a lot of these guys have played in big venues. They've played in big games. And, you know, I think, uh, you know, again, I, I don't know how it'll show up on the field, but, you know, I don't think there will be the – you know, the intimidation or the wow factor because we've already been in, in this type of environment. Talking to the head coach at Sanford, Casey Dunn. And, Casey, 
I think when I think of Sanford and and in your program, it's amazing how college baseball has evolved. And we've talked to so many coaches. We talked to Buck Showalter about it, about how in today's world it doesn't matter about striking out as much. You're looking for teams that, that hit the long ball and looking for that big inning with the long ball, the launch angle and things of that nature. It was almost like looking at your program, it was almost like it was five or six years ahead with that approach. I mean, are you guys still that long ball? I mean, I look at your stats. Your stats are unbelievable from power standpoint. Is that still kind of the mentality of, hey, we're going to try to lock and load and hit the ball out of the yard? You know, we we made that decision early on, you know, when I got to Sanford that that was the style we felt like we had to play. And, you know, the game has evolved, you know, has evolved in that context. But, um, you know, it was just something at our level when you looked at recruiting, you know, the guys that can really hit and really drive the baseball and they're plus athletes, the reality is most of those guys end up in the SEC or they ended up drafting, you know, being drafted. So we had to look and try to figure out, you know, who who are the best guys that we can get and what kind of team can we build around that to be successful. And, you know, I'm a believer in today's college baseball that, you know, you have got to be able to score it in a couple swings, you know, whether that's a, a single and a double, whether it's a single and a home run, you've got to be able to score in a couple swings because the pitching that you just got is so good that, you know, it's tough to get three hits in an inning, you know, and, and then at our case, you know, the elite arms, I mean, let's be honest, you know, again, they're going to end up at Mississippi State, they're going to end up at Alabama, Auburn, where they're going to be drafted. So, you know, we kind of took the approach early that, you know, we wanted to go out and, try to get some guys that could swing the bat with some authority. We wanted to kind of build a pitching staff based off of arm strengths and power arms that, you know, again, may not have the pitch ability early on, but, you know, we felt like that was our job as coaches to kind of help that guy with the good arm develop into a pitcher. So we kind of took that philosophy early on. We tried to build and recruit toward that. And, you know, again, I, I wish we would have had more, quote, breakthrough seasons and bigger years, but I think that is one of the reasons is we've stuck to that philosophy in terms of how we built our program, and we've been very consistent uh, because of that. Just looking at your guys, I mean, when I when I look at the top of your lineup, you know, Max Pinto, who hit the home run in the regional, and then you look at a Brooks Cross and a Sonny Deshara, the top of your lineup is is more than table setters. I mean, these guys are trend setters, and then when you get to McManus as well. You've you've had some some guys who have had some really good years. How big has that been for you as a team coming in to the regional of hitting sixty four home runs? But man, you look at the top of the order and look at how you guys really get going at the top. I think a state when when everybody thinks of state, they think of Rowdy Jordan, Tanner Allen. But sure. it just looks like you guys have that same philosophy at the top of the order. You got some guys who can really get it done. No, I mean we really feel like you know two, three, four in our order with you know, Carlson, DeShare, and McManus, you know, that's a dangerous three guys. Again, you know, they can be pitched to, they have strikeouts, but there's some dangerous, you know, there's some danger within those three guys that, you know, if you make a mistake, they have a chance to run it out of the park or hit it in the gap. So, you know, we've kind of tried to build our lineup around those three. Max has done a really good job of kind of growing in that leadoff spot. He's not your traditional leadoff type hitter. Um, you know, again, you mentioned, you know, Rowdy Jordan from you guys, you know, he's not a guy that's up there looking to take a lot of pitches either. So, you know, probably a little bit of similarities there, but, uh, Max has done a good job growing. The guys at the bottom of the order have done a good job of trying to figure out their roles. And, 
you know, being guys that are a little more selective, trying to work counts and get on base so that hopefully we turn the lineup order. There's some guys on for, you know, Brooks and Sonny, those guys to knock in. Talking with the coach Casey Dunn of Sanford. Uh, Casey, you were here at the old ballpark and now at the new ballpark. And I've talked to Butch and I've talked to Lane, a lot of different guys who have come in here, who have, who have coached here and who have played here before in the old ballpark. When you played here earlier this year, like in batting practice, did you see a vast difference? Because Charlie and I talk about it all the time, about it just seems like this ballpark is more of a hitter-friendly ballpark than it's ever been. You know, we uh, we didn't exactly hit very well when we were here a couple uh, weeks ago. So uh, I didn't notice that. Uh, I hope that's the case on our end tonight. But, uh, but no, I, you know, the thing I noticed is, you know, while it's obviously beautiful, it's grand, it's got all the amenities, you know, I actually thought they did a really good job of trying to keep a lot of the character of the old park. So I was impressed with it from that standpoint. But, uh, you know, the Bulldogs really didn't swing it that well. So I'm not sure about how the ball is going <laughs> to carry today. Sam Strickland on the mound. You've already named him as a, as a starter. 23 wins over his career, second in school history. What can uh, what can folks at the ballpark expect to see out of Sam Strickland? Well, you know, the the reason, you know, I mean, he, he is our best guy, but, you know, the reason he's going to go out there tomorrow afternoon is he's he just been in this environment more than anybody else. You know, he pitched on a Friday night in Tallahassee to beat Florida State in a regional a few years ago. So he's been there. He's been in this environment. And, um, you know, what you're not going to see is a kid that's nervous. Uh, or scared you know he may go out there and give up some hits and runs but it's not going to be because he's intimidated so you know we're confident with him going out there um you know like I said he's been in this environment you know our kids believe in him and um you know hopefully uh they'll hit some balls at us and we'll have some success coach we appreciate you look forward to seeing you this weekend man i appreciate the time and uh like i said we'll uh hopefully we get to be here for a while and that's Casey Dunn, 17th year as the head coach at Sanford. He's done a heck of a job over at Sanford in Birmingham. Yeah, that's a hitter's-friendly ballpark over there. And, yeah, he, he's right. Sanford did not swing it well at all. Of course, State won earlier this year here in Startville. That was back on March the 16th. State won 10-2 to in that midweek game against Sanford early in the season. And so, But, hey, it's a different Sanford team right now coming in. And, of course, it's the Battle of the Bulldogs. It's Mississippi State and Sanford tomorrow at 2 o'clock here at Duty Noble Field. Charlie and I will come back, and we have a kind of an interesting take this week as we talked to several guys who were involved in the 1997 regional here in Startville. We talked to three guys from Mississippi State, Barry Patton, Eric DeBose, Rusty Toms. We talked to the head coach at Washington, Ken Knutson, and one of the all-time great opposing players in regional play. Chris McGruder will join us as well. So Charlie and I kind of had a little sit down. We interviewed these guys over the past couple of months and try to put it together for you. Great, great interviews with those guys. And so we'll have that when we come back and kind of get you ready for the Startwell Regional this weekend. This conversation with Casey Dunn, of course, brought to you by our friends at Heartland Catfish. Heartland Catfish, it doesn't get any better at all than Heartland. They produce the best catfish known to man. And once again, you can get them at the Warner's Catfish House in Bogalusa, Louisiana. So if you ever go to the Catfish House in Warner's down in Bogalusa, man, they serve that great Heartland Catfish. 
back with a look at the 1997 regional here at Mississippi State. You're listening to Out of Left Field presented by Farm Bureau. And welcome back to Out of Left Field, presented by Farm Bureau. It's time now for a look at Bulldog history, brought to you by our friends at Country Pleasing Sausage. Country Pleasing, made right here in the state of Mississippi, down in Florence, Mississippi. You can check them out on Highway 49 South, just south of Florence, at Country Meat Packers. They've got the storefront. You can go in and get anything you need for your tailgate. But, of course, the staple is that great country-pleasing sausage, the original, the jalapeno cheddar. They have so many different lines and brands now with that uh, country-pleasing brand, and it's all great stuff. It's a must-have if you're lighting up the grill this weekend in that duty noble field. If you're coming to the ballpark and you've got the regional on your mind, make sure you've got several packs of that country-pleasing sausage. And so this look back at Bulldog history brought to you by Country Pleasing Sausage. So Charlie and I decided to do something a little bit different with the regional coming up this week, and we decided to look back at one of our favorite regionals of all time, and that was the 1997 regional here in Starkville. Six teams, you had five days, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and then with rain on Saturday, it pushed everything to Monday. To me, it was one of those great memories for me I was doing orientation that day at Mississippi State, and I remember telling someone in the admissions office, hey, I don't feel good. I've got to leave, and I went to the ballpark. Eric DeBose was going to pitch that day. It was the regional championship, and, Charlie, there were just so many memories from that regional. It's been 24 years. The things that I think about is how State had to come from behind in that regional, first of all, how hot it was, but then – Washington. Washington was a team that was the four seed in the tournament. Georgia Tech was the number one team in the country. They had to travel to Starkville. We were the two seed. And then you had number four seed Washington, and they were really the talk of the tournament. And they had this one guy. It was almost like you know, a team versus a machine, and that machine was Chris Magruder. The 97 regional bar is actually one of my favorites for a number of reasons. One, it was the old six-team regional. We don't have that anymore. Remember how great it was to have five teams coming to town? You'd spend the whole week out there. It was just really cool. But it was also an important regional. We had the number one recruiting class that came in in 1995, and the window was closing on those guys. Yeah, it really was, Charlie. And that's that's one of the things that I think of is I think of a Steve Smith that we talked to about recruiting that number one ranked recruiting class. He came back that weekend. Of course, he was a head coach at Baylor at the time, and you had so many just big-time players on that team. You had not been to the College World Series since 1990. You didn't make the NCAA tournament in, what, 94 and 95. You got back in the tournament in 96. And then 97, you had all those guys. DeBose, you knew, was probably going to leave. Some of those other guys were going to leave because they were so good after their junior year. And so, yeah, it was a lot of pressure, it seemed like, on that 1997 team. And so looking at that regional, we had a chance over the last couple months to sit down with several of the people that were involved in that tournament, some from Mississippi State, some from Washington. And here's some people that we talked to putting this together over the last couple months. Eric Dubose, former Mississippi State pitcher, 1995 to 1997. 
Barry Patton, former Mississippi State catcher from 1995 through 1998. Rusty Tom, former left fielder for Mississippi State in 1997. I'm Ken Knudsen, former head coach of the University of Washington. Chris McGruder, an outfielder for the University of Washington. Well, Bart, before we go too much further, let's talk real quick about Chris McGruder. This guy was incredible. He came in, and it seemed like every game he was doing something big. We've talked about Tanner Allen and how he plays the game the right way. Wouldn't you say that Magruder is that guy? Yeah, Chris Magruder, man, it's amazing. And going back to the point, 24 years ago, and you still remember the center fielder for the University of Washington and the way he played the game. That's one of the things that – and we keep on harping on the point about how Tanner Allen plays the game the right way, like you just said – that's the things you remember. And if you're a young guy out there and you're a high school junior, this is what you remember. You remember the guys that throw it out there and just play with everything on the line. And so, yeah, he was a, he was a machine that weekend. He was 13 for 21, four doubles, home run, three stolen bases. He scored seven runs and had four RBIs. He was a guy that was just in a huge zone that week. And so – we talk about the pressures of that weekend. Here's what some of the Mississippi State guys had to say, starting with catcher Barry Patton. You know, my dad played there in the late 60s, and we I grew up watching Mississippi State baseball. And you know, Mississippi State baseball was, was the flagship. And so there is a lot of pressure there to, to succeed. And I, I think everybody in Starville that follows Mississippi State baseball would have been disappointed with that class if we hadn't have, have eventually come through. We had such a great team and had a really good season and was something that we had been talking about doing from our freshman year because we had such a large core of freshmen come in together that in 95, and it was sort of like this is our moment. We knew that there would be certain pieces leaving after that year, and we knew that this was our moment. My dad went to Mississippi State, so I grew up going to all those regionals and start. So that was one of the things that I definitely wanted to accomplish as a team while I was there, to be able to host a regional and be able to experience that atmosphere. My redshirt freshman year, that year, 95, we didn't make the postseason. And then 96, we go out to Stanford and start the playoff there. For But 97, we had a really good team. That group was DeBose and, and Pyatt and Freeman and all those guys. When we became juniors, we felt like we had a chance to host that year. Unfortunately, you know, even as a two seed, we were able to get the host. So I, I remember it rolling into that, knowing that we were about to experience a lot of things. For me personally, I was able to experience growing up, going up there with my dad. There was another thing, Bart, that interested me in our discussion with Rusty Toms, and that was the importance of just taking a minute to soak it all in. We sometimes forget that these guys out on the field are living dreams that a lot of us had. And I thought it was really cool when he talked about being on the field in that opening ball game against Ohio State and just kind of looking around. You're nervous. Quite honestly, we're used to playing big crowds, but that first game against Ohio State, the place is slammed. And it gets the it gets the adrenaline flowing really, really quick. So, And that's, that's fun to be a part of and, and compete in that environment. I remember telling myself, you know, be sure you, you really look around and take it in because it's, it's not going to get much better than this right here. Yeah, it's good stuff from Rusty. And here's the thing, Charlie, I've always wanted to know is what do visitors really think? What do opposing coaches, coaches really think? And I, Ken Knutson 
and then Chris Magruder, those two guys from Washington. Ken Knutson was the head coach, Chris Magruder the center fielder. Here's what they had to say about their experience here in Startwell in 1997. Phenomenal, and it was the biggest crowd that we'd ever played in front of. And just walking out in the outfield and going through people's tailgates to just the sheer volume of people having fun. And it was quite an event. You, you don't see that in college baseball. It was more like going to the Rose Bowl or something like that in football. So it was really cool to be part of that. We were obviously going up against a juggernaut there, and the crowd was absolutely electrifying. And I think the announced was like 12,000, but I swear it was 18, maybe 20. <laughs> we were lucky to get maybe 150 people to come to a game. And when we showed up there, that was a brand new ball game. And playing in front of 12,000 people was something that we've never seen before. We also won the Pac-10 that year. We came out of nowhere. Nobody knew who we were. We beat Stanford at Stanford. And then we go to Stark Vegas to play. And Stanford's hosting a regional on the West Coast in front of 10 people. And we're playing in front of 12,500 announced. We hadn't seen a temperature above 70 degrees yet in the year. And we go to we go to Stark Vegas and it's 106 with 100% humidity. We'd never even seen anything like it. So that 97 regional ended up being a tough one. We lost in the second round. So we came out, we beat Ohio State. We lose in the second round to Washington. We gave up four runs in the ninth. Washington beats us, sends us to the loser's bracket, and we have to fight our way back out. And look, we were concerned, and I always wonder, like, if you lose early in a regional, what does it do to you? And where's your mindset after that? We asked Barry Patton that question. We, we knew offensively we could, we could hang because that was the gorilla ball days, and we knew we could, we could hit, but we didn't know how our arms were going to hold up. And, you know, in a regional, in that – you know, six site, eight team regional pitching depth was much bigger uh, than it is now. And so we knew we were going to get deep into games. So I guess our biggest concern was, is our pitching staff going to be deeper than who we're playing? Because we knew, you know, you got those, our, our lineup was full of superstars, Adam Pyatt's and Brad Freeman's and Richard Lee's and just on and on. So we knew we could bang with anybody. It was just a matter of how deep our pitching staff was. And we were at home, too, which is a huge advantage. That crowd, uh, that's like having 10 people on the field, right? And so that was a huge advantage. Yeah, so, Charlie, you mentioned we had to go through the loser's bracket. I mean, those guys just talked about it. And so then, all of a sudden, in those days, in that 16 regional, the loser's bracket was really, really long and hard. So then we played Tennessee Tech. Jeremy Jackson throws a complete game. We win big in that game. You had to bounce back. And you played against Georgia Tech, who was the number one overall national seed. Washington had beaten them in the winner's bracket game right after us. And so Georgia Tech's the number one team in the country. And so we look back at that weekend. We think of DeBose throwing the two complete games. We think of Barry Patton getting that big base hit late. We think of Brooks Bryan with that home run rob. We think about Chris Magruder. But one of the guys that we typically don't talk about is what an outing we got against Georgia Tech, the number one team in the country, from Keith Dilgard. Keith Dilgard. He comes in against Georgia Tech, the number one team in the nation, and just throws a gym. I'd never seen a team so frustrated at the plate than the day Georgia Tech played Dilgard because they were expecting to come out there and light him up, and he just picked it the game of his life. And he threw it with a bit of an arm injury, too. We're able to, because of the rain, and that's one of the things that gets missed a lot, it rained, 
and so we that tournament got extended into another day so when we had to beat Washington twice we didn't have to do it in the same day that brought Eric DeBose back into play we did not expect to see DeBose again after that opening game we thought his career at Mississippi State was over but on that Monday the big horse went back out to the mound and, boy, Washington, I think, knew they were kind of in for it that day. And Magruder talked about it. The next day, it brings back DeBose. And he was walking on water at the time. And we knew what we had in front of us. But we also felt confident that we could score on anybody. You know, he, he had really good stuff. Just so many big plays in that last game. Tie game, Barry Patton, bases loaded, two outs. Sends a ball through the right side. That ground ball with eyes. Scores two runs. Go up four to two late in the game. And you had so many big moments. The crowd was going crazy. And then, you know, you wonder. You look out on the field and you see all these athletes out there who are spent, who have played so hard for so many days. And you kind of wonder in the back of your mind, what's going through the mind of the Washington players? I was asked. A number of years later, I think I was in Cleveland at the time, and, and there was a, an announcer who asked me, you know, what's your favorite memory of your professional career? And I'm in professional baseball at the time, so I'm like, can I really answer that question by saying at Mississippi State was my best memory of my baseball career? I think maybe that tournament changed my entire life. Obviously, Playing at Mississippi State, you're playing in front of Ron Polk and, and Pat McMahon. Coming from where we came from and where I came from, which was the middle of nowhere in eastern Washington, then go play at UW, start playing good baseball, and then to elevate to where we went, then go to Mississippi State and do what actually happened. Next thing I know, everybody gets back. I was on the first plane out. The second plane comes Drums. They all my roommates pile into the into uh, our dorm we were staying in at the time. They're like, "You're you're going to the USA team." I'm like, "What? <laughs> what are you talking about? The season's over." And they're like, "Nope, you're you got invited to the USA ball." Then all of a sudden, my name was on the map. So the '97 year was a magical year. It really was. Charlie, how cool is that? How cool is that? This is a guy that played in the big leagues for five years, and then. He makes the statement, this is the weekend that changed my life. And that my biggest baseball memory, my biggest baseball memory, a guy that played in the American League and went to Yankee Stadium, but my biggest baseball memory is playing in Starkville, Mississippi at Duty Noble Field. That's really cool. You know, Bart, one of the things you and I have talked about a lot with Magruder, you know, he led off the ninth inning with a home run. We wrote four to two. And we have talked so many times about how Magruder hitting the home run and not doubling probably changed the game in Mississippi State's favor. And why do you say that? Because your pitcher doesn't have to leave the windup. It's a clean inning. You start over. He's not dancing around on second base. And people say, well, that's just you guys talking. We asked Eric DeBose his answer to what would have happened had Magruder doubled instead of homering was huge. We lose that game. I really believe that. He hits a home run. We're still up. We're still okay. I don't have to go to the stretch. I don't have to worry about this guy. I don't have runners on base. So I, I really believe if, if I do walk him, 
I may even get pulled. But I think for, for me, that me walking him and me going to the stretch and having to worry about base runners could have led to another base runner. And things we could be sitting here talking about the what if of 1997 going to the College World Series. What if you wouldn't have done it? So uh, I believe uh, him hitting a home run kept us where me and the windup and me still in control, not having to worry about anything, but just the next guy just keeping him from doing something. And, you know, Barry Patton had the same view of it. The thing with Magruder was the week this guy had, of course, he's going to lead off the ninth inning, right? I remember Pokey telling us in the dugout, don't walk him because he's more dangerous on the base pass. It changes how we approach hitters. It changes how we how we defense it. You put a guy who's got big league speed on the base pass, he's going to find some way to third base. So the biggest thing was that we didn't want to get behind the count. And Magruder probably knew that. So, you know, we grooved him a fastball, and I think he hit it dead center. And honestly, I remember the feeling was it was almost a relief to have him checked off the list. Uh, you know, and the ball was jumping a little bit that day out of the park, um, but I didn't think anybody could – I didn't think any team could hit two off Eric in an inning anyway. So it was almost a relief to have him off the field because he was unconscious at that point. <laughs> hey, Rusty Toms, standing out in left field, said the same exact thing. You know, even though you're playing against him, it was it's, it's kind of cool to see a player, you know, get into that zone and kind of start having having games like that. Point blank, he was a one-man wrecking crew. Man, he had to be in the biggest zone of anybody that's ever been in the zone before. I, I just remember thinking to myself, every time you run out there, is he coming up this inning? You know, he was that dominant. i tell you the thing I was really left with in the whole thing was how even today, guys like Magruder and DeBose still have respect for each other. They still talk about what it was like to face each other. And then the other thing I'm left with is how Ken Knudsen, a coach who lost the regional, summed up his experience. I can honestly say it was one of the highlights of my coaching career, and we get beat. So, but that's part of baseball, you know. It, it just if we win the game three to two instead of lose it, it's still the same guys, it's still the same atmosphere. It's, and, and I laugh. I, I would say, like honestly, we won a, our first Pac-10 championship that we won down in Stanford, and that weekend was probably the two best highlights that I had at Washington. Oh, you know, Bart, we'd be remiss if I didn't add one comment, and that is Eric DeBose. You know, he was he had pitched in a complete game to open the regional on a Thursday, and now we're back on Monday, and he's closing in on the complete game again. And you wonder how much gas did he have left in the tank. I thought this was really cool. At the end, I mean, on that hot day, I mean, it was so hot that last day when we played uh, Washington and that final out that we finally got. And I, I don't remember all the pitches. I just remember being out there like I got one more fastball in me. Like something's got to happen on this pitch, good, bad, or indifferent. This is this is it, and we got that last out. So I just remember that feeling like, hey, we're we're all at the bottom of the barrel right now, and. Whether we win this thing or we don't win this thing, it's going to be on this pitch. And uh, we were we were fortunate enough to, to have some plays made and to, to get that huge win for us and uh, get to go to Omaha. Yeah, it was hot. I mean, it was hot. Man, Eric, man, he dug down, and he was a bulldog that day. And there were so many big plays. We talked about that Barry Patton base hit. And I go back a minute ago, I think the home run rob by Brooks Bryan was one of the biggest plays in that 1997 regional. It was absolutely crazy for a guy to go back to the wall 
and pull a home run back in a big game just like that. That will always be a staple for me that him robbing that home run because that was late in the game and at a crucial point and for him to go back there and make that play, I know that's what I, I think gave it gave us the energy and the spark to hold on for just a little bit longer and, and to get that win. Bart, so many memories from that weekend. I think you go back and you look, Rusty Toms was out of his mind hitting the baseball. He had a huge catch in left field. Um, you got good pitching from a number of guys. We got complete games from Jeremy Jackson, a complete game from Keith Dillgard. We got two complete games out of Eric DeBose. I mean, Rusty Toms hit 444. He was 12 for 27, had four doubles in that tournament. Barry Patton was big. Brian Weiss was big. Damian Ciano, that's a guy we don't talk about enough. Richard Lee, Adam Pyatt, Brooks Bryan, Brad Freeman. What a weekend of baseball, but what a job by a group of guys kind of rising to the occasion when their backs were against the wall. And more than anything else, what a cool deal hearing from guys who came in here and lost yet still knew how to value the college baseball experience in Starkville. And not even that day, Charlie. It was the game before. I mean, you think about Matt Ginner. You think about Hank Toms coming in to finish that thing out. We took a 6 nothing lead in the first inning of that first game against Washington. We're just trying to get it to Monday. And then Hank throws like five innings and keeps it you know, where it is. We win that game. It was just so many big players in that tournament. And, yeah, that was cool. That was so much fun to, to talk to those guys. You know, Barry Patton, the catcher from Kosciuszko, Rusty Toms, you know, who was so big, and he was a cult hero when he got to Omaha. And then, of course, the big horse, Eric DeBose. But Ken Knutson, the head coach at Washington, and Chris Magruder, who is one of the best players I've ever seen play at this ballpark, to hear from everybody – that was a lot of fun, and that's what kind of makes this weekend so special. You know, sometimes we're spoiled. We don't understand what life is like outside of the SEC and at some of these other places, but this place is special, and that's one of the things that makes this place special. And so when you're here this weekend and you're cheering on the dogs and you're sitting there thinking about how loud it is and how great it is for our guys, thinking about the guys from VCU, the guys from Campbell, the guys from Sanford, because let me tell you something, just like we will – these guys are going to remember this for the rest of their lives. So that was a lot of fun, and that conversation brought to you by Country Pleasing Sausage. Country Pleasing made at Country Meat Packers on Highway 49 in Florence. It's a Mississippi product. It's a staple in every home. It has to be in the state of Mississippi. So that was a lot of fun. Charlie and I will come back. You're listening to Out of Left Field, presented by Farm Bureau. Welcome back. Final segment of Out of Left Field presented by Farm Bureau. Bart Gregory, Charlie Winfield. Hey, Charlie, man, that was that was cool, man. Uh, you talked about Chris Magruder early in the show about, man, he was just a player. He was a player, had mutual so much respect. It was so funny how when we were doing those interviews and we called Rusty or we called Barry and we said, hey, we talked to Chris Magruder, and the first thing they said was, man, what did that cat say? I mean, he was crazy, <laughs> but yeah, that was a lot of fun. Yeah, it's it's really cool too when you go back and Magruder's memories. He's talking about you know Ron Polk and Pat McMahon, and could almost take you through that. And then Ken Knutson, I thought the perspective that he had was really interesting because that's a guy who lost, 
it's a guy who had every reason to go home and say, we got messed up, messed up because of the rain. We didn't get the umpiring we needed, this, that, or the other. We could have played. We should have done this. It was too hot. We should have been hosting. And the guy says, equal to winning the Pac-10, it's the most memorable experience of his baseball career. That's just really cool, and it says a lot about the experience of playing in Starville. No doubt. And now you have other teams that are going to get to experience it, along with Mississippi State this weekend. We talked about Sanford early on. Let's talk about VCU, the number two seed in this region. A VCU comes in at 37-14. and 14. Tyler Locklear, man, what a big-time player, what a season he has had, batting 344, 16 home runs, 64 RBIs. This VCU team is extremely hot right now. They've won 21 consecutive games coming into this. They won the A-10 championship last week, and so this is a hot baseball team. And, Charlie, we talk so many times about even teams that are non-Power 5, you hate to see a hot team because they think, without doubt, they're going to win every single game. Oh, absolutely, and they've got good players. That's the thing we've talked about. It's a different year than normal. The names on the front of the jerseys mean so little. If you put the name Florida State on this jersey, we would be scared to death of this team because they're that good. I mean, and Locklear, one of the best players in the country, certainly one of the best third basemen in the country. I tell kids, man, get a ball signed because that guy's going to be playing. And then you've got Campbell, the three seed, and this is the third straight year that Campbell is playing in the NCAA tournament. They played in 2018, 2019. Of course, everybody was out last year, and then they come back and come to start well this year. You know, in 2019, they won the winner's bracket game in the Greenville-North Carolina Regional at East Carolina. And then East Carolina came back and beat them twice to win the championship of that regional. So not only do you have a team that's had success, this is a team that's also been the NCAA tournament play. It's This is a somewhat veteran team as well, but they know what it's like to win at a host school. No, they were right there. I think one of the things that highlights too, though, is once you get some of these teams into day three or day four, pitching becomes a bigger issue. I think that's one of the reasons why it's important for Mississippi State to win its first two ball games, because if you force somebody to have to match up using their four or five against your number three pitcher, I think we feel really good about where we are, particularly if we don't have to run through that bullpen on Friday. All right, Charlie, before we get out of here, teams in the SEC that are in regionals right now, Alabama is going to Ruston. Louisiana Tech, the 16 overall seed. Florida is hosting down in Gainesville. They've got Miami, South Alabama, South Florida. South Carolina is hosting as a two seed. Old Dominion is the one seed there. Old Dominion is the overall, what, number 11 seed nationally, and so they're playing in Columbia. Fayetteville's got Arkansas and Nebraska. That's a big storyline with Dave Van Horn being the former head coach at Nebraska. Now he's at Arkansas. Knoxville, Charlie, we talked about this the other day. Duke, Liberty, and Wright State. Man, that is a tough region in Knoxville. Does not feel like they got much of a reward for the high seed. Not at all. Nashville has Vanderbilt, Georgia Tech, Indiana State, and Presbyterian. And, of course, Tim Corbin used to coach at Presbyterian. 
Ole Miss has Southern Miss, Florida State, and Southeast Missouri State. Charlie, you talk about the name on the front of the jersey. You see Florida State as a number three seed there. And I know a lot of people are kind of all up in arms, Southern Miss fans and Ole Miss fans, about saying it's it's a tough region. Is this region as tough as it appears to be by name? I think it's a good region. And I think it's a good region in large part because of the one and two seeds. I think Ole Miss is a very good team who's found much more pitching than they had. And I think Southern Miss is a good team. I think Florida State sounds like a good team. It's kind of like Michigan when we played the Gator Bowl, the Tax Player Bowl or whatever you wanted to call it. You know, you saw those helmets, you saw those jerseys. Everything said Michigan. You heard the fight songs. But they really weren't Michigan at the same level. That's Florida State right now. They still have the same jerseys, but they're not the team they've been. And then the final SEC team in a regional is LSU. They're all the way out west in Eugene. Oregon's the one, Gonzaga the two, LSU the three, and then Central Connecticut State the four. So that's the teams in the NCAA regionals. Of course, it's State and Samford tomorrow at 2 o'clock at Duty Noble Field. It's going to be a warm weekend, and so it should be a lot of fun. It always is a lot of fun here in Startwell at regional time. Hey, Charlie, look forward to seeing you this weekend. Man, look forward to it. So Mississippi State and Sam for tomorrow, and a great show. We enjoyed it. Appreciate our sponsors, of course, Farm Bureau, Heartland Catfish, and Country Pleasing Sausage. So for Charlie Winfield, I'm Bart Gregory. We say so long. You've been listening to Out of Left Field, presented by Farm Bureau.